You are listening to Seattle Sports Saturday, Saturday with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Second hour of power. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. Seattle Sports Saturday, Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, Taylor Jacobs, the crew in studio with you until noon, taking you up to some pretty great games later today. And, of course, the Seahawks game. The final game of the divisional weekend at three forty tomorrow, and you can yeah. listen to the pregame show tomorrow. We've got bonus, bonus coverage, coverage beginning at ten a.m. Tom Wassel, Stacy Ross, Paul Gallant hosting from ten to noon, leading up to the Seahawks pregame show, which begins at noon, and then three forty is the kickoff time right here on seven ten ESPN. All free, yeah, free coverage. Free. Don't have to pay a single penny. Nah, you don't often hear free and bonus. Together. Know, together. But if you do, you should probably jump on that opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. Hop right on it. We are going to be discussing, well, Divisional Weekend uh, a bit here later, 10.15 a.m., and break down some of these games with a lot of compelling storylines, I think. And you don't want to look ahead in the Green Bay game. Of course, you've got to take care of business. But there could be some implications for that NFC Championship, beginning with the Minnesota-San Francisco game that could Make some very compelling storylines along the way. We'll discuss later in this hour. We still have to talk to Mina Kimes, yes, uh, who was in, by the way, an answer for the New York Times crossword. Yes. 21 new, across. It's no big deal. What, what a get. So, yeah. 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 To what get a, a New York Times best-selling crossword answer. So <laughs> That's coming up at 11 a.m. this morning. But first, it's time to dig into this hour's Big Three. Number one. Well, it feels like forever ago when Clemson and LSU punched tickets to the national championship game, but we're now a little more than 48 hours away from the next college football champ being crowned. For Clemson, a 29-game win streak and a shot at repeat titles is on the line. Their third title in the last four years, it could be. For LSU, they look to cap off an incredible season that's seen them take home an SEC title, a Peach Bowl, a Heisman Trophy with Joe Burrow, and AP Coach of the Year with Ed Orgeron, the Natty. It'll be decided in LSU's backyard of New Orleans on Monday, and it will mark the fourth time LSU has played for a national championship. All four of those times have been at the Superdome. Kickoff 5 p.m. Monday night. You can hear the entire game right here on 710 ESPN Seattle College Football Playoff Championship. Get excited, folks. Number two. NFL divisional round is here last weekend. Wild card weekend. I would say wild was even too tame a word for what happened. Two overtime games last weekend. So we'll be looking to top that this year or this weekend. Minnesota upset New Orleans in NOLA in overtime. Derrick Henry and the Titans went into Foxborough, ran right through the Patriots, and the Texans held on to beat Buffalo also in overtime in a weird ending to that game, but it was a thrilling wild card weekend. That set the stage for divisional round. Can Minnesota's offense put up a fight against the Niners front? That is the first game today. Then can the Ravens stop or even tackle Derrick Henry? How will Lamar Jackson perform on this level, on this next stage, after a week off, no less? Also, the next generation of star, young quarterbacks, fun quarterbacks in Mahomes and Watson, who will play better on Sunday. Speaking of star quarterbacks, Russell Wilson versus Aaron Rodgers in the next round. Let's go. Who rewrites a piece of their narrative this weekend? We'll break down all the biggest storylines from Divisional Round Weekend at 10.15 a.m. Number three. Quick NBA update as LeBron James passes Sir Air himself, Michael Jordan, 
for fourth place on the all-time field goals made list en route to his 35-point, 16-rebound, 7-assist night as the Lakers beat the Mavericks last night, 129-114. Luka Doncic, not too pleased with the loss, took it out on his jersey, created a nice deep European V-neck. <laughs> Which is a new style, potentially going to sweep the NBA. He and Chris Sale should just hang out. Yeah, yeah. Fight. To be fair, those Mavs jerseys they were wearing last night, ugly. Yeah, and they're kind of Seahawks-ish colors, which I don't like people taking that color scheme and, yeah. and ruin, ruining it. it. No, yeah, don't no, no, do no, it. I don't like that. Zion Williamson putting on a dunk exhibition last night in pregame before mm. the Knicks took on the Pelicans. Reuniting with his former teammate, R.J. Barrett. Fun to see those two guys together. There's, You can feel the camaraderie between the two players. Kevin Durant, pretty interesting week. Uh, forgot to switch to his burner account and was tweeting <laughs> with oh, former teammate Kendrick Perkins about his legacy, deciding to join the Warriors and leave the Thunder. Perkins' lack of production for the Thunder and other things there. Thereafter, he also defended his decision to join the Brooklyn Nets. And on court, we saw Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren get into a little bit of an on court disagreement with Warren being tossed from the game. It's just never a boring moment in the NBA, which I really appreciate. And yeah. this, this time of year is the dog days of the NBA season because the All Star break is within sight, yep. but you're also months removed from the start of the season. It's just this like, the guys want to get to the All Star break so bad, so tensions arise. We saw it last week, Isaiah Thomas getting ejected for making contact with an official. Uh, the Jimmy Butler, TJ Warren stuff. I think Butler went on Instagram after the game and circled, circled the, game. the next game they're going to play. In March. been some fan exchanges lately, too. That's yeah. Been very yeah. troubling. Yeah, but again, it makes you all the more excited. I do think the NBA is on the horizon to come back to Seattle. I'd at least like to believe it in a story tell, like I tell myself at night. But I'm so- so, Three to five years. That's I'm my, so curious as to what a Sonics team looks like in the Seattle sports landscape now. That if yeah. it's been so long, right? That we've we've seen the Sonics and the Seahawks are what they are now. You know, the Mariners were bigger when the Sonics were still here. They've sort of taken a step back as as an organization to sort of reevaluate things. You have the Storm succeeding. You have the Sounders as a new successful team. You have a NHL, hockey team yeah. here. Mm-hmm. You have UW and Wazoo XFL sort of. Bell is starting in the winter. You've got, so there'll be things competing for the attention, but this city loves basketball. Man. And there's so many new people here in Seattle, right? All the new jobs from Amazon and Microsoft and Boeing and Costco and all the other big organizations here that have brought in these new jobs, these new fans. What, what will NBA in Seattle be like? I'm so curious and fascinated to know i hope it's soon it's fun to dream about it that's yeah we talked last week about the start of a new decade that is like my number one sports yeah. resolution for seattle sports in this decade attend a sonics game in seattle yes yeah absolutely well we will all have to go together Maybe well, yeah. like as a show yeah. i'm busy you know what maybe we will do a live <laughs> show from from there something related to it that would be my dream ultimately too also some honorable mentions the Cowboys, a lot of coaching hires happening this week. The Cowboys hiring Mike McCarthy, uh, the offensive-minded coach. Jerry Jones said he heard bells. 
when they met? You I, I'm not sure what that, that means. Out. They had a that's, weird, right? Is that tinnitus? That like, that's like a sign of a like a stroke. It's is a ringing that, in yeah. your ears. That might be tinnitus. But they had a sleepover at Jerry's house, and you know, he just knew he got his guy. They get so you bunk don't beds? let him leave. Oh, I love bunk beds. Yeah. So much more room for activities. Yeah. Panthers hired Matt Rule, a former Baylor head coach. He got paid. Paid sixty million dollars with seven years. Yeah, with a chance at seventy million if he gets all of his incentives. I guess you could say. Cash rules mm. everything around me. <laughs> Joe Judge, uh, if you're asking who, that's okay too. Joe Judge hired by the New York Giants. He's in the Belichick coaching tree, so that's all you need to know, right? So he's going to win five games and right? get fired after two seasons. Uh, and that's- Judge Dredd's brother. So fun fact about well, Joe Judge. Also interesting <laughs> that, that Joe Judge and Aaron Judge are going to exist in the same city. And oh, how yeah. many headlines are we going to get yeah. about from the New York Post uh, with the Judge in the headline? Day. Too many judges. Uh, Cleveland still hasn't hired a head coach. Wah, wah, wah. They interviewed Josh McDaniels yesterday, which... Speaking of the Belichick coaching tree. Yeah, I mean, it's weird to see Josh McDaniels continue to get interview after interview, even after he had cold feet with the Colts a couple years ago. I I still don't understand why NFL teams are willing to bend over backwards for this guy who was terrible his first go-around as a head coach a decade ago, hasn't had a head coaching job since, has been a decent to good offensive coordinator in that decade, but apparently... In the NFL, and it, anything goes. And then it's Cleveland, so, I mean, maybe maybe it sticks there. Probably not. He'll probably be out of a job if he takes that one in, in a couple of years. You just got to make the owner hear bells, apparently. So work on that, Josh, all right? <laughs> work on it. Coming up next on Seattle Sports Saturday, we dig in to these games uh, going on this weekend. The divisional round has plenty of compelling storylines, and we'll take a look at it next right here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports Saturday. Not like you need to get any more hyped for the playoffs, but hearing this music also just always takes it up a notch. If we're talking about earlier on the show, we talked about pump-up music. Just play the primetime soundtrack. Primetime yeah. This is, brings me back to ESPN 2K5 on Xbox. Oh, yeah. Just Randy Moss, 100 Throwing it up. Mossing people. Mossing people. No big deal. I love that game. Nostalgia, man. Mm, It's powerful. It isn't about history today. It is about the present. And the Minnesota Vikings taking on the San Francisco 49ers. That is our first matchup of today. Right after our show. We're taking right up to it. And it's don't want to look beyond the Seahawks versus Packers later this weekend. But this game has big implications, too. If you're just a football fan or if you're an NFC fan. What are you guys expecting? What are the biggest storylines in this game you'll be having your eyes on? I mean, the return of Quan Alexander and what he can do for this. Well, he's got his own hype video. Right. He's got his. Thanks to baby. Uh, <laughs> so what can the 49ers do with him back on the field? Will he actually take or make them take a step back because they're playing a guy who's coming off the IR? He's got to shake some of the cobwebs off. Will he be as effective as some of the other people who ha- who have been playing in his absence? So that's one thing I'm going to look at. And Dalvin Cook, can he get going for this Vikings team? Can he take some of the pressure off 
Kirk Cousins and, and sort of help him open it up so he can move the ball around. Thielen's going to be hurt. You know, he hurt his ankle in practice this week. What's up with practice? People getting too, too many people getting hurt at practice, okay? Not a game. Talking no, about talking, about talking about practice, practice man. I think so, it's interesting that the 49ers are seven-point favorites. You look at the recent games that they have played. They have all been close dating back to that Sunday night game against the Packers. And even before then, he had a game against the Cardinals that they won by 10 points, but they were down big early. Uh, they lost to Seattle in Week 10, a close one against the Cardinals Week 9 on Thursday Night Football. The fact that, that they've got San Francisco as a touchdown favorite against a good Minnesota team, I don't I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be a lot closer than that just because of what San Francisco has been doing over the season's second half. They haven't been blowing out teams the way that we saw them do in the first eight games of the year, I think this game's going to be a lot closer than what it's expected to be. And a couple of Minnesota's big losses came to Green Bay, and sometimes that's just how it goes with with rivals, a coach, particular coaches you figured out. But that game against New Orleans, man, that is one of the toughest places to go. And at least in the first half especially, New Orleans looked like they had no answer. Yeah, that Vikings defense was ferocious, and especially in the red zone, they just clamped down on a really good New Orleans team, and I would say talent-wise, maybe equally as talented as this 49ers team, so Jimmy Garoppolo is really going to be tested uh, later today. Um, can he punch it in against this Vikings defense? Can he take advantage? Again, they are a little bit more banged up than last week, but still a really good unit. A little bit iffy on the road. What Vikings defense shows up? And Garoppolo hoping it's not the defense that showed up in the ones. I do think that your point about getting establishing the run game, Dalvin Cook is going to be huge for them, especially because you have a lot of offensive pieces that have been banged up, Adam Thielen, as well as Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. Also, I think an X factor for the Vikings is, can they get along for a game? Yeah, yeah I mean, Stephon Diggs, Stephon he was Diggs, very emotional. Very emotional, side. but not just him. Also on the defensive side of things. Uh, two players arguing at one point as well. I think it was Harrison Smith, and I can't remember who else, but very vocal disputes on the sideline. And if you're going to go deep in the playoffs, having some uh, togetherness as a team is important. I will say to that, to the opposite point of that, the Vikings put out a video this week showing Diggs go up to Cousins and say, "Like, don't don't force it to me. Play your game. We'll get there. We'll All get right. there." So yeah. I think you're right, Lydia. They they do have a tendency to blow up and be emotional, but we've seen it here in Seattle. They can harness that and effectively use that on the field. Feels like they can take this 49ers team to the limit and potentially come away with a victory. Walking that fine line between yes. using it for competitive advantage, we know that better than any and and being destructive, we know that better than anyone in Seattle. When you look at Minnesota and their skill position guys matching up against the 49ers at quarterback. I think I would take Kirk Cousins over Jimmy Garoppolo. Running back, Dalvin Cook, I think I would give him the edge over Raheem Mostert. Wide receiver, if Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs are healthy and ready to go, I'd probably take them over Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel. Defensively, though, San Francisco, I think they've got more pieces than what Minnesota has, but I would trust Minnesota's offense right now more than San Francisco's. How about coaching? Do you take Zimmer? Or do you take Shanahan? This is Shanahan's first ever playoff game. This is Jimmy G's first ever playoff game, too. So I think what was the stat heading into last week with Carson Wentz? It was like, not rookie quarterbacks, but like first-time starters are like 5-15 and or something in their first ever start. So Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, time to earn that, what is it, $180 million paycheck? 
I mean, this is it. This is why San Francisco got you. Yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're win, baby. Uh, yeah, this this one, will everybody will have their eyes on early today. Later today, though, also the Titans. Ryan Tannehill and the Titans mm. at the Ravens. Do they stand a chance against Baltimore, who's coming off the bye? It's tough. Look, it's really tough to pick against Baltimore right now, the way that team's playing offensively, defensively, and on special teams. They feel like the most complete team in the NFL. But... People have been able to get to Lamar Jackson. If you can get to Lamar and make him change his game and make him alter the way he plays, Derrick Henry's a monster. And, 180 yards against the Patriots. And and he, who wants to tackle him? No, no one. No one. And, no one. And the confidence the Titans will have, knowing they already beat the Patriots on the road, they got to be supremely com- a nine and seven team going to face a fourteen and two team. I don't think there's been a nine win team to have as much confidence as this Titans team will have. And I'm excited to see what Derrick Henry can do. Can he take that next step to become one of the big feature backs in this league? And it feels like you're right. No one wants to tackle him. We've seen last week in the past few weeks that he has been going off. So I, think- I wouldn't bet my life on the Titans. Yeah, but. I think they got a shot. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, though, that to me is the biggest that's the say, biggest cloud hanging over the Titans' chances if today. If they get enough pressure on him, that's where he really struggles. He could be a top-five quarterback without pressure, but under pressure, he's ranked somewhere about 31st or 32nd. And I think the, the Ravens have a really stout defense. If they bring pressure on him uh, and really make that offense one-dimensional, They've got a good shot. I think another, I know I keep talking about we're the coaches show here, but this battle between Harbaugh and Vrabel will be really fascinating because we saw it come down to the mentor and the mentee last week in Foxborough and that duel of, okay, I'm going to use your own techniques against you in my mind where I'm going to exploit this loophole and the delay of game penalty. It came down to that late in the game. I thought that was fascinating. I think both of these coaches have unique approaches. We know that Baltimore's analytics driven, that they've got plenty of people. They have no problem going for it on fourth down. I think that could make that game really exciting. Yeah, I think Baltimore, a lot of the pieces have changed on the field. What hasn't changed is John Harbaugh. And this is a guy who has been in the postseason. He's been deep into the postseason a lot in his career. I think he has been, I think this is like his 12th or 13th year as head coach of the Ravens. He's got a Super Bowl under his belt. Uh, you look at the coaches in the AFC right now, other than Andy Reid, he's probably the most seasoned of coaches and one that I would trust this time of year. We talked about the most successful NFC franchise over the last decade. That's arguably in the mix. I mean, maybe the Steelers is there, and Mike Tomlin has been there for a long time. But mm-hmm. I, yeah. other than the Patriots, they're up there. And I think it's a testament to John Harbaugh. There was a, I think it was a couple of years ago. There was a, there was a shot he wasn't going to get re-signed, which is insane to me because, I mean, what he's done in Baltimore, uh, and and all that he's accomplished. I mean, it's crazy to me that they would even think about moving on from him. And, Turned out that he, you know, fourteen and two this season. Lamar Jackson likely going to be the MVP. Baltimore is a team that not only they're not, not only are they built for now, but with Jackson in place on his rookie contract, they still have two or three more years at this level before they have to pay him. Yeah. On the flip side, though, I'm thinking if the Titans win this game and they go on to the AFC Championship, having beat Tom Brady, having beat Lamar Jackson. <laughs> 
And then they're going to have to go up against Deshaun Watson or Pat Mahomes. Right. So their road would be remarkable. And for them to accomplish and to win those games, I think we can't slight them. And looking at Ryan Tannehill's numbers, I know we talk about he's not Lamar Jackson. And I'm going to compare them next. But let me rephrase. They're not the same player. He's not Lamar Jackson. But Tannehill, in the short amount of time he played, 201 completed passes. Lamar Jackson, 265. Interceptions, six interceptions from Tannehill, six interceptions from Lamar Jackson. So in yardage, 2742 for Tannehill, 3127. So only about 400 yards more. Well, Tannehill only started about half the season. Yeah. So all of the, if you add all of those things up, yes, I know Ryan Tannehill, not the same quarterback, not the same person. And Lamar Jackson destroys you on the ground as well. He's that multidimensional. But I don't think Tannehill is as bad as people. Are, are making him out to be. And I think with Mike Vrabel, if they play mistake-free football, I think he can manage the game enough for them to win this game. And he won't put flashy numbers up. He won't be the MVP. But he can do enough to keep them in this game and give them a shot. Well, just as the Seahawks have with DK Metcalf, uh, a, a tremendous rookie wide receiver, Tennessee also has a tremendous Ole Miss rookie wide receiver, A.J. Brown, who has been just as good as DK if not better, which is hard to fathom. Which is, It's even harder to fathom that Ole Miss only won six games. That was the most they won with those two guys. That's what I was about season. to say. Who is more disappointing as a wide receiver tandem in college? Odell and Jarvis, because, again, they didn't win a lot either. But in the NFL, they're monsters. And now we know Metcalf and Brown. I think Shea Patterson was their quarterback one of those years at Ole Miss. So, like, <laughs> yeah, those three guys. What do you guys right. need? Like, Get it on. together. Well, those are some of the biggest storylines coming at you today on the Saturday matchups. But up next on Seattle Sports Saturday, we still got two more games to go. We'll take a look at the Texans at Chiefs, these two young quarterbacks facing off against each other. And then, of course, the game everybody is looking forward to, Seahawks at Packers. And speaking of two great quarterbacks, we'll take a look at all those storylines next right here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports Saturday. Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, Taylor Jacobs in the house hanging out with you. Getting you ready for an exciting weekend of football. We talked about today's matchups just a minute ago, but now taking a look ahead at Sunday's games and of course the Seahawks Packers we've been talking about it all morning we're going to continue to do so we're going to chat with Mina Kimes in half an hour but the Texans at the Chiefs also first up on on the docket tomorrow two young quarterbacks two of the most likable quarterbacks in this game who comes out on top it's a rematch of a game earlier in this season where the Texans won in Kansas City 31-24 Arrowhead Stadium is the site of where it's going to be tomorrow I think the Chiefs are like 10-point favorites in this one, which if you watch the Texans and Bills game, man, you needed a, you know, you needed a, a quick nap after that one. That was an, a thriller. Maybe not for the good reasons of a game being a thriller because it seemed like both teams trying to do everything they could to not win it. But I look at uh, the game tomorrow. I think the Chiefs win it, but I don't think it's going to be 10 points. I think it's going to be a lot closer what it was just because of you got Deshaun Watson on your side good things can happen uh Taylor what do you see happening between Kansas City and Houston 
<laughs> uh, well, one, I'm ex- again, I just have to preface this by saying my dad's from Kansas City, so I'm extremely biased in this, and I want Kansas City to win, and I think Kansas City will win this game. Again, the defense has really, in the second half, taken that next step, and I think that was the goal going into this offseason for the Kansas City Chiefs was, you know, they were there offensively, right on the, right on the cusp of, of being one of the best in the league, and defensively they were abysmal, a mess, and that was the reason why they lost every game last year. This year, it's, that's not the case, and the defense has been able, with Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew in the back, they've, they've solidified themselves enough to give Patrick Mahomes just that, that breath to come off the, the field and sit on the sideline for enough time to be fresh to go back out there. And Mahomes is just such a special athlete. And Watson on the other side, just, just a special athlete as well. But, you know, Will Fuller's questionable. Darren Fell's questionable. Can those guys play to the level that we've come to expect if you're a Houston fan or have watched them this year? So some question marks on the offensive side for the Texans. I think there's just a few more question marks for the Texans in this game. But you mentioned it, Curtis. The Texans beat them already this year. Can they do it again? Can they follow that blueprint? It's possible. Pat Mahomes, uh, in his press conference earlier this week, talked about learning from last year's heartbreaking playoff loss and how Kansas City will respond. Anytime you lose and you're that close, you, I mean, you, you don't feel good. You, I mean, you're not going to be happy with the with, with the season. But uh, as you look back on it, you understand the experiences that you got. And so I'm going to try to use those experiences to go out there and find a way to keep playing. I mean, we understand it's a day-by-day process. You have to execute every single day and be the best player you can be every single day from practice to meetings to whatever it is so that when you get to those games, you can execute at a high level and try to just keep playing. First off, I want to never, listen to him all day. Yeah, I want to hear him as my GPS voice. But also, he sounds like if a frog became a man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he just sounds like that. I but love it. Also, love it. you look at Russell Wilson and what he did his second year in the league, or second year as a starting quarterback, had a heartbreaking playoff loss against Atlanta. They come back, win the Super Bowl his next year out. Pat Mahomes, they lose the heartbreaker to New England last year. And I think Mahomes is feeling very, you know, I, I feel like he's kind of on a mission right now, especially dealing with the injury earlier in the season. I think right now he is is somebody that I would not want to go up against in a playoff scenario because he, to me, he is the, the most talented young quarterback in the game. Even though Lamar Jackson's this year's MVP, I think Pat Mahomes is somebody that I would build a franchise around and not even think twice about. Yeah, I, I, any interview, he seems wise beyond his years, but so does Deshaun Watson, and they've had to rely a lot on him where they almost get in their way early on in games, and they rely on him, might sound familiar, late in the game, late in the fourth quarter to do miraculous things. I don't know. This one is more confused than anything. What was the – who's favored in this one? Is it Chiefs, Chiefs by seven? Chiefs by ten. Ten, okay. Yeah, All right. double digits. How about that? How do you feel about – I mean, the Texans already have beaten Kansas City once this year in Arrowhead, so I'm I'm thinking it's going to be a lot closer than that. I think because a lot of these games this week have pretty large spreads. I think the Seahawks-Packers game is the closest one. Except four and a half or four. Something like that. Yeah. And I think all these games are going to be close. I don't see a blowout. The, the, the one game I think that has the possibility of a blowout would be Baltimore-Tennessee. I think that's the one game that I look yeah. at and say, all right, Baltimore, they just they don't really have a weakness. 
in Tennessee, they got off to such a slow start this year. They've kind of been, you know, they've been playing well over the season second half, but I don't know if they're good enough to hang with Baltimore. How about later in the day, the game that we will all have our eyes on, it is the Seahawks headed to Lambeau Field, and we take a look at the weather report, because as we know, causing a lot of people some issues getting to the game. I haven't Jim heard anything like that. Yeah. I haven't heard a single word being said about travel plans or needing a coat or boots I mean, or anything. This like is that. the time of year where you can easily get to the Midwest. Easily. It's easy, yeah. right? No, exactly. it's not. They're having, what, 700 volunteers help shovel snow at Lambeau Field, 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. But, you know, when you look at the weather report, it's actually not that terrible for a Midwest Sunday night in, in January. January. Yeah, it's going to clear up uh, tomorrow. Only 20% chance of precipita- precipitation between today and kickoff. And Bobby Wagner this week talking about how it's going to be a whole lot different than when they played in Minnesota and when dudes were sneezing, it was becoming, you know, pellets and their the moisture in their eyes was freezing. Cam Chancellor had frostbite on his hands, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, not fun. Not fun by any means. But, yeah, looks like it should be highs in the 20s and the uh, low 20s but feeling right around the same there and the wind not that bad that is the killer i think when you're that cold yeah. and the wind chill that can kick up well today there's expected to be 20 mile per hour winds tomorrow there's not expected to be hardly any wind yep. at all four miles an hour it's according to the weather channel i'm looking at right now i think it's pretty accurate i feel pretty good about that my question to you guys is when it's sub-freezing temperatures how do you feel about players going with short sleeves I, mean, I I worry about them so much, but maybe that's why I'm here and not in the right. NFL because like, I, I don't have that kind of. Are you going to stop Jordan Roos if he wants no. to go tank no. top and shorts? It's like weird flex, bro. But, but all right, okay. yeah. like do you? You I know, guess. it's your identity, and you're sticking with it, I guess. But maybe also has so much beautiful hair up top that it can sort of compensate for him. He's got the long hair. So. I also love nice imagining yep. players on the other side being like. See those guys over there? But see, that's part Come of it. Sleeves. Intimidation oh factor. We're going to run over them. They're so weak. But like, also, I, d- I don't think anybody who actually plays in that weather all the time is going to be intimidated by any visitor. They're like, yeah, we're yeah. used to this. It's not It's not a big deal to us either. So, yeah, it, the weather, of course, so one of those things you have your eye on because Russell has had some struggles in adverse weather conditions this year in particular. But mostly that was rain and I think even... Snow, I'm not as scared of as I am rain. Snow is the ultimate equalizer in the NFL. You can, any team can beat anybody in the snow because (laughs) this is me speaking from like backyard football. (laughs) Yeah, snows. No, that's that's equivalent. That's equivalent. It doesn't matter how athletic you are heading into that. Like the least athletic person can match up very favorably with the, the fastest person out there. Uh, but, I mean, it, the Seahawks and Packers aren't going to be tromping through, like, three feet of snow tomorrow. It's probably going to be all gone by the time the game kicks off. I think they have a tarp on the field, too. Yep. Um, so if you have a pretty even playing field, and both of these teams, looking beyond it, are either of these teams good enough to win a Super Bowl in your mind? Mm. Green Bay or Seattle? I mean, honestly... The Seahawks feel better suited simply because of the culture here, right? And there was articles all this week about how, you know, there have been certain situations with Pete Carroll where the team has been losing bad at halftime, and he's come in, and he's been amped up, and he's been so excited. And there's been other times where he just is able to find a way to motivate these players and to get 
them to play for him. And it just feels like the culture of winning is so important in the NFL and that they've been there and won. They've been there and experienced it before, and and that feels really valuable to me. And Pete Carroll having that experience over the new coach in uh, LeFleur. That was one of the topics on uh, the Seahawks Roundtable this week. Uh, You can download that, uh, the John Clayton podcast uh, on 710sports.com, was they were looking at the experience between Matt LaFleur and Pete Carroll, which you could probably, it'd be very hard to find two coaches that have the opposite opposite playoff experience as these two guys. When you look at what Pete Carroll has been through in his coaching career and what Matt LaFleur just hasn't because he's only been around for one year, do you think that's going to factor into tomorrow's game at all? Do you think LaFleur might get tight in his play calling and, and really you know become his own worst enemy, or is this something that you don't think is going to factor in at all. Well, he hammered it home that this is just like any other game. And it almost felt like he was trying to convince himself of that when he was speaking in his press conferences and to remind himself. But you can't help bias, right? That's just part of who we are as human beings. And when you study sports, bias is an important thing to understand how games are officiated and how uh, plays are called. And I think you ultimately can't be a, you're a victim of whatever bias and and I think you're right like Pete both these teams have been great at winning close games this year but Pete has way more experience when it comes to these big moments and we've seen how he performs in prime time in the playoffs I give this one to Pete even though he has gotten in his own way at certain times this year they've had some struggles down the stretch that delay of game penalty may be the worst of all in the final game of the regular season but I'm giving it to Pete Yeah, and if you just think about all the rookie mistakes, think about Josh Allen and the rookie mistakes he made in that game and just the lateral. weird lateral. The weird lateral, trying to do too much in the moment because the moment is so big. I think that's the thing people who are fresh in the playoffs struggle with is truly understanding the moment and how to not let it get to you, whether it's big or small. And I think that's one thing where Pete has the clear advantage over the floor. I don't think you can coach or play a playoff game the way you would a regular season game because in the regular season you you tend to probably not put your foot on the gas as much because you know that there is another game to be played. There's no certainty of that after tomorrow. And I think Matt LaFleur trying to approach this as any old game that you cannot approach a game and you cannot call a game that way because if you're not going to be as aggressive as possible, if you're not going to play as though your season depends on it, if you're not going to coach as though the way your season depends on it, then what are you doing? What are you doing in a playoff situation? And I think Pete Carroll has been through the fire. I think the Seahawks showed on last Sunday that they learned from last year's playoff game where they may have fallen victim to not putting their foot on the gas pedal. I think right now I would give Pete Carroll a large edge when it comes to just game experience and, and playoff experience in this battle. How about this? Some breaking news here. Oh. From the Packers, they've added cornerback Josh Jackson, a.k.a. Charlie Conway, <laughs> to the injury report with an illness. And we've seen this mm. illness now for – this is the fourth time in this injury report we've seen illness on the Packers. Been going around their locker room, even with a bye week. So something to keep an eye on, Josh Jackson, a backup corner as far as the starting defenders go, but a special team stalwart. He's one of the big guys. He's like a, not like Nico Thorpe, but in that category where he's really important to that special teams group. Will that be a factor tomorrow? Will the special teams, the kicking game, the kick returning game, 
will Tyler Lockett be able to spark something with a, a 35, 40 yard return, give Russell Wilson good field position? Those types of things I think will be a big question mark tomorrow to keep an eye on um, as we head into this divisional round of the playoffs. Digging further into this Seahawks versus Packers matchup as we uh, take it all the way up to noon here on our show. Up next on Seattle Sports Saturday, just going to have a little fun. We listened to some Green Bay radio this week to see what their conversations were like going into this matchup and some things I might agree with, but some other things... I don't think you want to miss out on some of the more ridiculous things they had to say. It's about, about to get cheesy. Yeah, about this Seattle Seahawks team. It's next on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports Saturday. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, Taylor Jacobs in studio with you all morning long discussing the Seahawks versus Packers. You know... It's always good in life to walk a mile in someone else's shoes, get a different perspective. Even if those shoes, they probably have to be waterproof, Sorrells maybe, because yeah. you're in you're in snow. Fleece lined. Right? You have to be concerned about your footwear and your headwear and just staying warm in general. That's important out there in Green Bay. But we took a, took a walk in Green Bay Radio shoes this week and listened to what their conversations were leading up to this Packers game. I think it's always good to hear a different perspective. These are from 105.7 The Fan. Uh, they cover the Packers there, not directly in Green Bay, but Minnesota Radio nonetheless. And a couple of things, conversations that I, th- I had that I think are very similar to our own, things that we might agree with, including it's more important for Russell Wilson to have a big day in this game than it is for Aaron Rodgers. Would you guys agree? Yes. Yeah. I think so. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. That's not outlandish. Uh, Aaron Rodgers seems he has more pieces surrounding him. Mm -hmm. But also, Russell Wilson, I thought this was interesting. Someone said Russell Wilson is the better QB, but the Green Bay Packers are better everywhere else. Mm. (laughs) Not... Offensive line, yes. Totally wrong. Yeah. Defensive line, yes. Rushing the passer. Yeah, but maybe pass rush in general, yes. But linebackers, it's an interesting question. Because the Smith brothers are incredible, but so are Bobby Wagner and KJ Mm -hmm. Wright. It's it's an interesting conversation. But we, of course, thought we'd focus on the more outlandish comments that we heard on Green Bay Radio this week. And I'll start with this one. So this was 105.7 The Fan, and they had on actually a member of the WNFL affiliate who, that's the radio in Green Bay. His name's Mark Daniels. Uh, You can find him on Twitter. But they interviewed him, and his first point was that the Packers' D-line will have no problem handling the Seahawks' O-line. So the Packers, if they can just not let him squirm around, uh, easier said than done. Uh, I think the matchup is fantastic for the Packer defense. I think their front is going to control the Seattle offensive line without much difficulty at all. What do you guys think? I mean, it's easier said than done. And I think the Eagles last week probably had a similar thought when it came to facing Russell Wilson. We've got Fletcher Cox. Yeah, good. yeah. We've got Vinnie Curry. Third best run defense. It's going to be a walk in the park. Well, it's... A lot harder to tackle Russell Wilson than it is to talk about tackling Russell Wilson. Uh, they only got him down one time. Yeah, they had eleven quarterback hits, but he got the pull, he got the throw off before 
10 of those hits. And how many third and long conversions did he make in that mix? It was countless. At least five, I think. Yeah. So I, I agree. They've also faced off against San Francisco this year, who, by the way, has a pretty intimidating front. And if it had not come down to that final play and there had not been several mistakes, they would have two wins against the San Francisco 49ers and their formidable pass rush. So, I, yeah, I agree that this one's pretty tame. I guess you could say on paper, yeah. sure, stats-wise, but with 25-and-a-half sacks right between the Smith brothers, one of them is 13-and-a-half, the other has 12. On paper, I would say this sounds like a comment that you've been looking at the stats and you're like, well, we, we were so much more productive in that category than you are. At the same time, I just say I would say not count them out. Another thing Mark Daniels said was that the Packers uh, or that DK Metcalf is a is a nice rookie. Here's what he had to say about the steep threat. Russell Wilson, yeah, I know uh, Metcalf had the big game, but you know he had 58 catches. He was a nice rookie, and he had a big game. And all of a sudden, everybody's saying he's the next Calvin Johnson. First of all, is anyone saying that? I didn't hear that from anybody. But also no. calling someone nice, uh, uh, no. DK Metcalf, 58 <laughs> receptions, 900 yards, 15.5 yards per, per reception, seven touchdowns. That was in the regular season. Yep. Turned it up a notch in the postseason, set a rookie record for most receiving yards in a game, 160 yards. He's close to setting a record for a rookie in the postseason period. He doesn't need that many yards in this game to do that. And I think, what, second all-time now for rookie receivers, only behind Steve Largent? In franchise history. In yeah. franchise history, passing the legendary John Carlson. <laughs> um, great, if, great nanny that if, guy had. If life. that's all it takes to become a nice, you know, yeah. rookie receiver, I would, I mean, you got to catch like 150 balls to be a great receiver, right? Right. Right, and I think a lot of uh, NFL experts, even people here locally, Danny O'Neill saying, you know, 25 to 30 catches for DK Metcalf would be a great first season, that that would be a great spot for him to, to land in. It would show you that they're effectively incorporating him into the offense, but I think we're well, well past that point now in that not only is he a, a good part of this offense, he's a great part of this offense and maybe even one of the greatest parts of this offense. I think also, we talked about it earlier, one of the things that they've struggled the most with in Green Bay is going up against big receivers. And some of the biggest games uh, that receivers have had against them are those big framed receivers. Kenny Galladay, I think, had two great games against them. Allen Robinson. So if you're over 6'2", you stand a good chance against them. So I think that's a little bit on the uh, maybe overconfident side and underestimating what DK Metcalf can do. And then finally, this point I thought was maybe the most outlandish of the ones I heard. This is Mark Daniels of the Green Bay Radio Affiliate on a 105.7 The Fan. Uh, he talked about how this is not the Legion of Boom anymore, which, okay, what? we get it. I know. Since shocking. When? Since yeah, when? What? But his comment on Jadevian Clowney and his skill set was what caught my eye. Yeah, this is nowhere near the Legion of Boom. This is a defense that ranked 26th, and, you know, it, it's not. Uh, they still have Bobby Wagner, first team All Pro. This guy's really great. Maybe Hall of Fame bomb, but he's by far their best defensive player. Clowney is more clown than defensive stud, in my opinion. I mean, this is a team that had 28 sacks in 16 weeks, and they chased down a 40-year-old in his first playoff game a lot in Philadelphia, and, uh, and everyone seems to think that they're just going to get all over Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that's the case. More clown than defensive mm. stud. 
This to me says, I looked on paper, I looked at the box scores, I looked at the stats, but I didn't actually watch the game tape because... He's only looking at the sack totals, which yeah. is, that's the sexy stat when it comes to defensive linemen, but his impact is so, it's felt so much beyond just getting to the quarterback. This is somebody that gets in passing lanes, this is somebody that can stop the run too, and I mean, just to only look at one facet of a pass rusher, I mean, that is, that's almost kind of lazy analysis. And I mean, we talked about the, the insult sandwich. Insult, compliment, <laughs> insult. That's how he did his take right there. Yeah, and it, it was extremely confusing to me because if you've watched any of the Seahawks defensively, you've seen the impact Clowney has had on this team and the way other players have been able to get those one-on-one looks and get to the quarterback and. You know, Rasheem Green having the year he has, he's had, is probably due to some of the clowny coverage that he's seen. And you just can look all around that defensive line or even the linebackers, too, and how, you know, they're able to do their job with a little bit more confidence, knowing that clowny will be able to get some of that pressure on them. It, it truly lets the defense play with a different type of confidence when he's out there. Now, one Green Bay voice joined 710 ESPN this week and had some. Very fiery takes about Jimmy Graham. That'd be Rob Domofsky, the ESPN.com reporter. He was on the huddle with uh, Tom, Jake, Stacy, and Dave Wyman. And Domofsky did not ease off the gas pedal when talking about Jimmy Graham. Uh, look, I don't think Seahawks fans are going to have to worry about Jimmy Graham. His, his best days are behind him. Uh, can't run anymore. Uh, doesn't block. Rob, are you uh, setting this up, all. man? You're setting us up right here. <laughs> no, it's still a rope it, it, dope. I can I can personally attest to the can't block part of it. Rob. That's true. Yeah, That's we knew why that. are you it's having him block? <laughs> it's not just can't block; he won't block. Yeah. Uh, the, the 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 go look at the first play of the game, uh, the Week 17 game. He run. He actually got open for a change, ran down the seam. <laughs> Rogers put it right on the money, and he dropped it. Uh, quite honestly. Signing him was a mistake, but bringing him back for a second year was a bigger mistake. He has been a absolute non-factor here. Tell us how you really feel. Ooh, Tell us how you really off. feel. Well, good opportunity to hear from some of the Packers' takes, and they're not all favorable towards their team. No, I think yeah, I think that's a great point. And you saw it last game; they tried to chip Clowney with a tight end, and it got their quarterback out hurt out of the game because he got such a clean look at getting to Carson Wentz. You you can't do that again if you're the Green Bay Packers. Well, you can. We'll allow well, it. Yeah, you actually can. You Go know ahead what? and do it. Do, do it all you want. That's, okay. That's fine yeah. with us. <laughs> Up next on Seattle Sports Saturday, uh, we get, you know, a VIP on the phone. That would She's be, the tops. She's Velvet rope. Right. She appeared in a New York Times crossword, okay? Mina Kimes of ESPN and ESPN Daily Podcast joins us next on Seattle Sports Saturday.